Hello and welcome to the Film Ireland podcast. I'm Gemma Cray and ahead of the Still Voices Film Festival, I'm chatting with three really talented animators about the really impressive short films. Thank you guys so much for coming to chat with us. I can maybe call you out and get you guys to say your name and a little bit about your film just at the very beginning. Yeah, I'm Kleena. I'm an animator and director from Dublin. And I studied in Dublin. I'm still in Dublin, but I made my last film in the Midlands in Burr as part of the offline animation residency. And can you just tell me a little bit about maybe the log line or your elevator pitch? Yeah. Um, so it's basically follows the story of a father who desperately is trying to save his son. But the more he tries, the further he basically gets from what he wants. And he just um, almost ruins, ruins everything for himself. And it's gorgeous. It's so stylish as well. It's a beautiful, a beautiful piece. Um, uh, Victor, coming all the way from Switzerland, are you in? Yes, I'm uh, Victor Jacquier. I'm from uh, Switzerland, but currently I'm living in Paris. And uh, my movie was produced and done in uh, Switzerland. And it's uh, it's an adaptation of a traditional Swiss tale that is quite uh, unknown even in Switzerland. And it's about, uh, in the Middle Age uh, period of time, it's about uh, a winemaker who captured death in a barrel. And uh, he has to face the consequences of... Uh, uh, breaking the natural order of things. Yeah, and it, it like it's quite striking. Um, the the commentary as well that gets in there, where you're like actually, like in a very relevant subtext of uh, the hoarding of wealth, I think as well. Um, but and and plague. So that's the yeah the, yeah <laughs> themes could not be more more relevant, even though it's that in the Middle Ages. Yes, yes, yes. It, it was strange to do this, uh, to finish this movie uh, during COVID because I uh, I, I started uh, seven years ago uh, before having all the financing and doing the first research for the art direction. So uh, it was like a fiction and uh, our current times uh, blending together when I was finishing the movie. So it was very strange. <laughs> God, and uh, Mary... Yeah, so my name is Mary Smith and I'm from Longford, so not far from the festival. Um, and my film is Components of Recovery. Um, it's an animated documentary about the internal experience of living with addiction and moving toward recovery. Um, so it's kind of, it's the second research film as part of my PhD study, looking at how um, addiction and recovery are represented in animation. And that's, that is very interesting. Um, so you worked with a workshop of focus groups to um, come up with the subject matter? Yeah, no, back in 2019, I held three focus groups um, with um, the recurrent residents in Ashery Kamela, which is a recovery centre down in Waterford, um, and then came back to the studio and tried to figure out some teams that were developing in transcripts <laughs> and then returned to animation and then tried to try to share a little of what they had shared with me um because there was a lot <laughs> and it is it's, it's very it's very poignant and you have these beautiful um these the, the very beautiful performances even the very short but but truthful and then this very kind of 
visceral and textured um, animation, which really works very well because what you're saying is there's a breakdown, there's like a procedure to it, which is really interesting. Yeah, yeah, no, it's definitely um, processes, I suppose, and it's it's this mechanical landscape, um, and it's yeah, it's looking at that kind of inner inner breakdown. But then once you kind of hit the recovery section, is kind of split into two parts. How you know, I suppose things can start connecting again. Um, yeah, and but recovery isn't like it's not an end goal; it's a process, which was a huge thing um, that they they would have emphasised as. Yeah, that there's there's the hard work involved and so I suppose I was trying to show it's kind of an exploration of animation processes as well that's kind of looking at how can you push the different types of animation to represent the things that they were experiencing as well so there was even this um part of a phenakistoscope which is like a really one of the earliest um widespread animation devices and that was used to kind of show the spiraling escalation nature of addiction so yeah. <laughs> and I'm just going to I'm going to stick with you, Mary, and you've half answered the question, but what drew you to this subject matter? Um, you, you, and then I'm going to ask everyone else how you developed it. So you've kind of already covered that a little bit. But what drew you to the subject matter and what made you choose that? Yeah, it was funny. It was it kind of started off as um, I suppose I'm interested in, in, in children's uh, animation, which is funny. But um, I kind of started off with that that I was looking at. Yeah, how uh, children that are living with addiction, how, you know, how could animation, I suppose, teach or help them explore different ways. But then I kind of, I got access to the treatment centre and they're all adults and um, it just changed the whole direction of the project Um, for the better, I think. (laughs) But it's not a direction I would have thought I was going. Um, But definitely now I can see myself heading more kind of animated documentary in future so you know so yeah it's changed it yeah you don't <laughs> see it too much so it's a very interesting form to explore that yeah yeah I know and, and there's definitely over I suppose in Europe and the UK that there's big pockets of it of people you know it was a whole world once I kind of figured out that you know, a lot of people do this you know let's do animation documentaries and um yeah it's just it's just fascinating <laughs> So, uh, Victor, can you tell me a little bit about yours? You kind of mentioned as well, this is a kind of classic story. Um, but what what drew you to it? And what was your beginning processes? Yeah, it's a, it's a classic story. It's an existing uh, Swiss fairy tale. And uh, it's a very short one. Um, but uh, I expanded it into a 20-minute story. And it has uh, lots of elements that were... Uh, very uh, interesting for me because it's it's uh, it talks about uh, Switzerland and the mountains and uh, the wine yards and uh, all those stuff I've been uh, growing up with and it's um, it also talks about death and uh, what I like in this story is that um, it's not a vision of death that is uh, like some demon or some uh, evil entity, but it's more man that has good intentions, but uh, while he tries to to fight to 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 find ways to uh, to go against death, um, he is uh, condemning himself. And uh, I I was uh, interested by this possibility to have a story where death is not that. Um, 
that is almost beautiful and uh, even in the music i try to set a mood where the music is beautiful when we discover death even if it's quite uh, um scary but at the same time beautiful so that that uh, was something i was interested about <laughs> yeah and you, you do it's a very um it's sort of a it's a you, you it's the first time i've ever seen kind of death as a woman or like that i've registered that i've seen it and it and like in in a way you kind of stressed like this is the natural order of things there's 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 mercy in in some instances of it but yes then <laughs> there it twists <laughs> i don't want to give too much away because it's a, it's a beautiful narrative but you like it is a very kind of unique perspective on it um do you, is that something that you would look at a lot as a writer yourself would they be the themes that you find goes into the rest of your work the theme uh Yes, this has some connections with the other themes in my work. Uh, well, obviously, I'm into kind of gothic imagery, so death is <laughs> always uh, everywhere. But uh, I, th I, I, I've been thinking about why I was uh, into this story, and uh, there are also other things, I guess, like uh, um, I have, a, I have a anxiety. And uh, sometimes I have uh, anxiety uh, attacks during my sleep, and um, uh, I was not very aware of it myself. But um, the the anxiety attacks I can, uh, or people that have anxiety attacks during night, are very similar to the final part of the movie. You know, where uh, it's like a big burst of uh, you you. You you do something, you create something, but when but when it turns when it turns into a nightmare, uh, the proportions are uh, uh, huge, and uh, that was something uh, I was interested in um, in showing in the in the movie. But yeah, it's the last part of the movie where the, where things are completely out of control, and. Um, and uh, I was interested in doing it with an animation movie because it would have been impossible with uh, live action, because it's my first um, it's my first animation. Uh, I'm initially from uh, live action movies, so it was also a big step for me to uh, to do a, a new technique. So I had really to start uh, from zero again. And you do you create um, a, a really beautiful world, and I I love the like your playfulness with the grotesque like it, it, it's it's a very it's a very beautiful watch as well the movement the, the the structure of it like it's gorgeous Kalina just tell me a little bit about the subject matter how you found it and how you developed it yeah for me I always tend to start making films trying to convey a feeling or an atmosphere so I wouldn't say it's like um directly related uh, it's more like the abstract idea of like not having control or yeah like the main character trying to achieve something it's actually the trying that causes you to fail at achieving it um and yeah just getting that feeling into a movie and I mean yeah all of my films have no dialogue and so music is really important to try and get that. So I definitely started, I've like worked with the same composer um, with, yeah, with all my work. So 
even when I was like storyboarding the music, I would like listen to the the music, which some tracks were already made and kind of let that inform what was going to happen in the story. Gorgeous. So I actually want to talk to you then about the processes of information. Uh, so Kalina, I'll stay with you and then we'll go back through. But you were saying that um, you'd storyboard it, you work with your composer. Like, how how does this go from the page to that? So you'd you'd yourself storyboard it. You'd have a strong idea of visuals or would you be playing around as you're putting it together? Like, just take me through the steps. Yeah, I mean... It always starts with a character, like um, I guess I was drawing the main, the father. Um, it was really just like a man in like surgical um, attire for, for a while. And I wasn't sure, but I just, I liked the idea of something medical. And again, this was before COVID. <laughs> so I, it was kind of uh, foreign to see people wearing medical masks. And then it became reality while I was making it. but. Um. yeah that that idea of like hospitals and like the coldness and I kind of decided early okay green makes sense as a color and um, because the whole film is green and yeah soon enough I, I basically had this father and these father and um, son characters and it was it was kind of like I mean I, I tend to let things that I'm watching or seeing at the time influence it as well so it yeah it came very organically just like okay well why what's wrong with this uh guy how can this father help him or like why why would he what would drive him to do something that I guess not everybody would do which is like illegal organ uh, trading so um just kind of letting myself add things that like interest me and things I'd like to draw because ultimately with animation I'm going to be drawing it for like a year and I was lucky that yeah the idea was very abstract I kind of just knew it was going to be about a father-son relationship and kind of set in this medical setting and I applied with that abstract idea to the residency and they very much like gave me the freedom to just figure it out as I went. And yeah, I would have storyboarded it first to music and showed it to lots of people. Like, even though I made the film mostly alone, I have like a core group of people who I show to and, and I like their work, who I, I get their feedback to make sure it makes some sort of sense. And yeah, then just animating it and finishing it. And it, it sounds like you were saying that that's a very organic um thing. Like, so it's not super duper structured before you go in. Did anything change? Did you kind of, you know, take a, a put a toe in one pond and go, that's not for me. Actually, let's take it this way. Yeah, I mean, I think as well, the process of this film came out of, me trying to do the opposite of what I did with my last film, which was my last film I made with a group of people. And it was a very, it was basically like a rom-com, <laughs> silent again, but very like happy pastel colors. And like, I tend to like pastel colors and I kind of, 
I knew, I guess because I was in the residency and I had more time to myself, I wasn't restricted by having to follow this pipeline where, you know, in animation production, you have to make decisions and stick to them because it's going to affect loads of other people. But I could essentially change my mind the whole way through, which is a good thing and a really bad thing. I think I spent about like four months getting the story right. And after that, you yeah, know, I didn't change anything crazy. Um, but I would say I didn't, I purposely didn't try to figure everything out at the start so that I, there were always bits where I was like, I don't know what that's going to be exactly. So I can decide in like three months time when I'm doing it. Um, and yeah, I will say in me trying to do the opposite, let's say of what I usually do, I came full circle and ended up realizing like, oh no, I actually do like pastel colors and I just prefer that. So I would just follow my instincts and went back to like, everything is pastel green mostly. And I don't know, but maybe I wouldn't have gotten there if I didn't start somewhere else. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I had this question um, for for you about the the music, uh, Kiana. Uh, wh what was the 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 process and the collaboration with the people who have been uh, creating the music because it's so important the the mood with the music and the the sound design also. Did you had a really precise idea in mind or was it more? Uh... Yeah. So like. I, the composer I've like I've luckily worked with um, the same composer for a few years and we just got like randomly paired up based on I, I don't know if you work the same way both of you but I would usually take existing songs that I like or that fit the mood of the film and I would put them in the animatic really early to kind of I guess as like a reference Um, but then the trouble is you get really attached and then you have to get someone else to remake it. And sometimes, yeah, it's not as good as you think. Um, so with this, I had done that process before with the composer. But this time I was like, okay, what if I just ask my composer to send me stuff when I'm starting? And I used existing songs that she had written um, while I was yeah storyboarding I mean I hacked them up to pieces and I like made it fit my film but I knew from the start I was like okay you send me something that you made like not knowing what I want you to make and then I mixed that with other references and then I handed it all back to her and was like okay re remix this for for the film uh, so that was really nice because it was I guess it was coming from like an existing place as well, where she had these tracks that, I mean, they fit the mood of, of the film already that I was thinking of, uh, but it really helped to inform everything else. Yeah, because it does, it, it really kind of like, it has such a fabulous energy as well. Yeah, and then she suggested a friend to do the sound design and I had never worked with the sound designer before, uh, which, and that I feel like made it, next level because sometimes when the music is so such a focus it tends to it can feel kind of like a music video if there's no sound design so the sound design really helped like root it in the real world brilliant okay so 
back to our processes question, Victor. <laughs> Tell me a little bit about how you um how you work on getting the the animation onto the screen because yours had quite a few people behind it. Oh um, yes, uh, I've been working with uh, a big team of uh, animators. Um, I was doing the the background layouts and the character layouts. Um, so I, I myself, I am not an animator, so uh, I really had to to work with uh, with a big te uh, team. Uh, and it was during. Uh, we started before COVID, but uh, we were still working during COVID. So lots of things that I have to write down or record uh, some uh, some clips with my uh, with my cell phone. Um, and yeah, yeah, it was like uh, running a marathon, you know, because uh, I had to I had to create all those layouts for a big team. So for one year, I was always doing layouts uh, day and night, <laughs> but uh, I really enjoyed it. And did anything change during that process? Like, was there any hiccups or did anything kind of organically you were driven in a different direction? Like, I presume when you're kind of manning that people, you need to know pretty rigidly ahead of time or is it or can you bounce off one another? Um I, I, it would have been nice maybe to have uh, surprises, but I, it was a situation where I was not really able to afford uh, surprises because uh, there was lots of people uh, working on it and we had a, a certain amount of money on a certain um, period of time. So now everything was very controlled and uh, I had also um, a CG animated sequences. That we are just here to be references because I use a lot of um, um, lens distortion effects. Like I was uh, choosing lenses uh, in a live action movie, so I don't want the animators to to uh, spend a lot of time thinking about the lens distortion. So I do those uh, little uh, mockups in Blender, and I give them the references. So everything had to be very very. Uh, um, controlled, so we 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 were not uh, slowed down by uh, changes. And what made you go from live action to animation? What was the like? Was it something that you always were drawn to, and now had the opportunity? Or yeah, I think that I was always drawn to animation, and I'm I'm uh, I do illustrations. So for me, it was a very uh, natural process to go to animation, and also uh, uh, I have a very hard time to write a story that are not involving uh, many sets, many characters, uh, fantasy world. So uh, it was very logical for me to uh, to go to animation. And uh, Mary, yourself, how do you go to, like, what's your process? So I know you were developing your script. How do you get that physically on the screen? Um, well, I suppose this one was a bit, a um, little bit different. And I usually do 2D animation um, with a bit of mixed media. Sometimes I build sets and then I animate into it with, with characters. Um, but for this, it really went with the idea of... Um, okay, stop motion is representing the physical hard work and the, you know, the, that, the physical changes that you have to do um, to achieve recovery. And that was what kind of set it into stop motion. Um, 
Yeah, and then I suppose even there was a rough, maybe beginning, middle end. And I knew there was going to be a contrast between the addiction and the recovery section, even with music as well um, and the sound effects. But but yeah, no, it was it was just a bit more experimental, I suppose, when you're studying, you can <laughs> you can afford to do that a little bit. Um, so there was a lot of even just um, working in the studio for um, down in um, Limber School in Art and Design. They actually let me use the use the studio space there. Um, and myself and the technician were there with smoke machines and light machines and just playing for a couple of days. <laughs> So I had hours of footage and then it was like, right, what are the things that best represent themes? So I had to go kind of go back to the themes again and be like, right, what what shows these? And then there was, of course, some motifs were in my head already, like the like, again, that kind of spiral and disc and the stop motion bits. And there was some compositions that were in my head. But by that, it was fairly, fairly um, fun, <laughs> a different process. <laughs> Sounds really interesting. And actually, because you all have sort of touched on this a little bit, but it's quite interesting. You seem to have come from very, very different paths. I was just wondering, Mary, just while we're still with you, like, can you just tell me a little bit about where you've come from and, and how you've ended up in animation? Yeah, so I, I went to college in um, Limerick School of Art and Design and they do the general course um, where you kind of do a little taster of different disciplines. So I always kind of knew it was going to be some sort of creative um, field. <laughs> um, but I suppose I chose animation then because, again, yeah, if I can do that mixed media approach that I can kind of do painting or I can do set design or I can do, yeah, stories. You know, this is just, there's all these different aspects to it. So um, that's kind of why I chose that. Now, <laughs> ending up doing the, the PhD was a surprise to myself as well in a way. <laughs> Um, I started off with a master's and then I transferred. Um, so I only handed in the thesis, the final with corrections and stuff only about two weeks ago. So, um, yeah, so I'm working with Scamma now. <laughs> wow. So an academic yeah. path. So that's that's probably not the most common way in, but it's a yeah, interesting thing. Yeah, because you're, you're kind of doing the concepts as well. Like you're like a lot of theory behind um yeah the, the the storytelling and the structure and stuff and, and putting it to good use in a, in a different way so it's very interesting <laughs> and Kleena um yeah I went to IDT in Dunleary and I don't I for some reason I just knew I always wanted to do animation but I don't think I knew what animation was like the reason I thought I wanted to do it I'm just I'm so lucky that actually I, I did like it when I didn't know what it was. Um, I, I guess I just like drawing and through, yeah, through studying it, I guess, that, yeah, they show you like Eastern European films and Caroline Leaf and sand animation. And you're just like, oh my God, I all I knew was Disney. <laughs> and now, yeah, it's so much bigger than that. So... Um, I think yeah, they really encouraged us to make our own films as well in the course that I did because I don't know some courses are focused like which is great on getting people into the industry and people specializing but at the same time yeah like it's nice to have that time to just be free like Mary said where you can just do whatever you want and make a film. It doesn't have to be like 
doesn't have to have everything in it. You know, you can do it smartly and say, oh, I'm not, I don't like doing backgrounds, so I'm not going to have any backgrounds in it, that sort of thing. Um, and I definitely still do that where I just avoid what I don't like. And I just focus on the things I do like and put that in my films. And um, Victor, you had mentioned as well, you had come from um, the the live action and you were drawn to animation for that reason. But career wise, what was it that like what's what's been your path? So like how how did you get here career wise? Because, again, like I presume to to have a like a project of that scope and to have that much funding behind it you have to have like a proven track record you have to go, go yeah to the <laughs> like it, that all takes so much time to carve out mm. you just give me like a, a, a quick blow by blow <laughs> to 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 move from uh, live action to animation i don't think that it's uh i don't think that it's a very smart move you know <laughs> no it, b b based on only reason it's not a smart move because uh, you have so much thing to learn again and uh, you have to prove again from from scratch that uh, you, you you will be able to create something good with the money that people will give you so it was really i was really driven by uh, passion of animation rather than uh, reason and career choice and uh, i noticed it like uh, some years uh, after i decided to do this animation i was like hmm Maybe I chose a path that is uh, really difficult to to change the technique, but uh, and it took seven years to complete this movie. But I really don't regret it because now I'm I'm I feel that I've been able to really do the vision I wanted to do. But yeah, it, it took a lot lot of time. <laughs> yeah, to get like to get that level of funding over there, like I don't know what it's like compared to here. Here we have schemes and they don't tend to overlap. So like, and I, I, I like, I don't know if I'm right like that, but like you can, if you're a producer, work from one or another, but like you're generally in one of the, the kind of like houses, you know, like one of the, the kind of animation houses and, and they'd be known for things. And maybe the producers there would have worked in live action before, but like they'd be known to be like animation producers and it's a very different system. And like the money is, is different um, and again, like that, like in Ireland, we have great production houses and we have like a really good like we place world like it's a it, it's a brilliant industry. Like it would be a great part of the film industry to get into. But I, I kind of think like you do tend to veer to one or the other here. Um, so I'm, I'm just curious to like a little bit about how the funding works. Like, is it can you just, you know, go in with your same producer that you work with on live action and and, and process it that way? Or do you have to like go out and make a whole new network? No, uh, in Switzerland, it's a, it's a small, uh, it's a very small industry. Um, there is no uh, mainstream uh, Swiss cinema, so it's really uh, small uh, production companies. And I've been able to work with the same producer. The producer had produced my previous live action short film, and uh, it, it I was able to to work seven years on it because uh, in the beginning we had a development fund. And um, so I had uh, like uh, six months to, um, where I was able to work on it. And then uh, we had, um, there was no time limit to move from the development fund to the production. Uh, but it took a lot of time to uh, gather all the fund for uh, 
the beginning of the production and then the production uh, it was uh, two years in the making one year one year for the animation and the second year it was a post-production the compositing and uh, me drawing all the backgrounds with uh, watercolor wow god that's some some amount of time do you feel um and actually i'll, I'll go around to everybody else but um that this has opened doors for you to get your next project across the line because it's kind of like it's 2001 so it's been out it's been seen and now you know like by people has this is this kind of like a, a taster for your feature that's animated or like what's your plan uh yeah it's been opening door for me because now i really have a movie that can show what i'm able to do um um the district it's it will be distributed in the us also so i guess that uh, the film will have a, a second life with with a lot of visibility um and right now i yeah i i could move to uh to a feature format i guess but now i'm i'm also working on uh, another short animated film because uh those projects are so so long to give birth to that I prefer to have a lot of uh, small projects and some big uh, big project in the making rather than just sticking to one project and uh, if it doesn't work you have nothing else to do uh, so I have many many things in the making <laughs> yeah and, and a project like that as well so I presume it's state funded I presume it's government yeah money yeah because that like we'd have that we'd have a scheme frameworks as well but then i think to get a feature across the line you'd probably get state money but you'd have to get like co-financers and co-european financers because i think ireland is probably too small to just to to maybe i don't know i'm not an animation producer but like like a lot of the, the big ones can i ask you uh victor did, did all the money come from switzerland because you said you're in france now Ah yes, or, yes. Okay. Unfortunately, we were not able to to have money from France, so uh, we we had a gap uh, that we've been uh, funding with uh, crowdfunding. So okay. uh, yeah, and we were able to uh, to have the the whole budget with the crowdfunding, but uh, the the big majority of the of the funding was from Switzerland. Great, and does. That come with any caveats or anything like that? Was there any um, you know, like with the funding, do you kind of have to take notes or do anything like that, or is it like just given to you? Do you know? And you as the artist get to decide, like, how would it work? Oh, you know, uh, you mean regarding something like the the art, uh, the final cut, or thing like that? Yeah. Oh, uh, um, well, uh, the funding, uh, I had to, I had to do some changes because. Uh, um they had the the institution they had um, some things were not uh, okay for them in my vision of the story for example and it was very good points because in the beginning in the script there was a, a voiceover and it was um, too obvious you know to do a fairy tale with a voiceover when uh, there is something that you you could show things with images and uh, visual poetry and I was kind of missing it because of this uh, constant voiceover. So it was great that they asked me to uh, remove it. And I had to present a new version of the animatic with more uh, uh, visual uh, narrative uh, solutions that were 
that were more interesting than my first version. And um, actually, Mary, the same to you. Has this opened any doors? Has this kind of led on to anything or any other opportunities? Or or what's your next project maybe that you're working on as well? Yeah, well, I I suppose I'm, I'm full time working now. Because um, you I heard PhDs are hard. <laughs> yeah, they are. Yeah. And, and, and the fact that I was, I suppose it takes so long to. <laughs> um, so I've only just finished it. Um, so I think. I'm gonna let it settle <laughs> and what's nice is again yeah that you what Victor was saying that the films kind of have their their next life I suppose once you finish it it's kind of doing a little bit of a route now because there was two films as part as a part of the research so Components of Recovery is the second one there was also The Click um, which will be in Still Voices too um, so the two of them are kind of going around uh, a few film festivals um, so I'm just gonna let them do their bit and uh, then I'll start thinking of the next thing. I have two illustration, book illustration jobs. So I, I do a bit of everything. <laughs> It'll keep me busy. <laughs> sure, that's our <laughs> bread and <Our> butter. Life. <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm not sure what's next. <laughs> and clean. Pretty much as soon as I finished the film, um, I started working as a director for um, Studio Mala. They're an Irish animation company. Um, so I've been like assistant directing short there like a what's the word I guess like animation for hire so we're making uh, a short um which yeah that was amazing just to work with a team and like a big budget uh, so that's just finishing now and then I'm not sure what's next probably take a break and yeah, yeah come up with ideas for the next film and like that as well does working kind of in the area give you um inspiration and knowledge is it good for building your network what would like and, and I presume it's just project to project that they'd hire staff on to to come in for things yeah like it's usually I would I've gone back and forth uh, between making something for myself and then doing studio work or freelance work um but it is it all kind of ties together because I mean the films that I make they're all yeah hand-drawn and I use tv paint and I mean Cartoon Salin are the main company I guess that use tv paint in Ireland but uh, Studio Mala also do so it's nice to be able to work on um you know what's the word I guess funded projects um client projects using TV paint and using the hand-drawn animation process because it, it's like every day I'm I'm going through the same process I would for my own films but with like a way bigger team and all these people who specialized and are way better at everything than you are so yeah you just you learn a lot and I mean working with all these producers it means if if I have a project I, I guess I know people that I can ask to help brilliant so that would be like for frameworks or if you have any other ideas that you can pitch to, to people and how open are houses like that to like just say people applying for jobs like if you were just graduating from college with you know like maybe one decent short film that you did as, as a project like what would you recommend people do maybe to, to try and get work and paid work yeah I think I mean if you have a, a short film that you've made just put it out there 
because yeah I've been very lucky that most of the jobs I've gotten um were from people seeing the short that I made like the first short I made in college and that's literally it I, I just people say oh I saw it somewhere or um now that we can like go to festivals and try and meet people as well because they'll remember you because uh, I think like if yeah if you can show you've made something they might not might not know you but that thing is proof that you can do it um which is nice I think in the animation industry a lot of a lot of it is put on like the show reel rather than the degree or like the grades you got I mean I'm sure obviously that's important but if if they like your work and you're a nice person then they'll ask you to work with them I guess that's great um no that's that's really interesting and do you have any kind of feature ideas that you're looking for funding for or anything like that or are you kind of prepping uh I don't know I still I really like short films um I guess like Victor said it's even a short film is going to take years so it, it, I would it would be nice to make a, a longer short I mean this short is probably the longest I've made uh, but I, if I was making a feature I'd probably build up to it and it w- wouldn't be for a while I think you probably need the, the right idea as well to sustain over an hour of uh, watching but never say never never say never <laughs> I, I, I had uh, something like a technical question for Mary. Uh, wh- wh- when I saw your, your movie, I noticed that the, the, the introduction shots were all with a kind of a handheld camera effect. And uh, I, I was wondering why you, uh, how you would manage to animate things in pixelation with this kind of uh, handheld effect. So... How do you do it? Is the camera animated on some kind of machine or is it done uh, more uh, in a different yeah. way? Um, so we use Dragon Frame and uh, a slider. So the, the keyframes for some of the shots, yeah, that the camera is actually moving maybe away or moving, panning while I'm actually on stop motion, stop motioning. So every frame, the camera is also moving just slightly. Um, and I suppose I got I I did it sometimes to to work with some of the other shots that were that were handheld because some of them are handheld. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, it's just so you kind of lower the frame rate a little bit or change the frame rate to just kind of help it. Um, because sometimes it can be very smooth. Um, with the slider, but yeah, that's how it that's how it work. Great, I'm I'm going to invest in one myself. <laughs> so it was great. <laughs> And where did you do your PhD? I didn't even know that you could do a practical PhD for animation. Yeah, um, uh, not, there isn't really, um, okay. <laughs> but you can, um, I suppose what I did with mine was, um, it was a master's and then I transferred and um, yeah, they, like you can, you can do practice-based um, animations and I suppose I picked animation as my practice. So. Um, yeah, but I did it down in Clonmel, uh, part of LIT, so I suppose it's part of the Technical University of the Shannon now. Um, yeah, so down in Clonmel, but I haven't I haven't been down there in uh, about two years. 
because of COVID and that. So it's been online <laughs> for a lot. But postgraduate stuff is kind of online. It's, you don't meet, you're on your own for a lot of it as well, um, you and your supervisor. Um, so it's a different kind of, it's kind of like freelancing, I suppose. You know, I was able to do some freelance work as it went on too. Because um, as you say, it's nice to have different projects to kind of jump back in, do something else, maybe do a storyboard for something else and then come back into it. Okay, so these beautiful films will be a bit available to watch at the Still Voices Film Festival and from the 9th to the 13th of November. So we'll uh, see you down there for a few glasses of wine, I'd say. Yeah, definitely. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks so much for chatting with us. That was great. The 2022 Still Voices Film Festival takes place in Ballymahan from the 9th to the 13th of November. So make sure to take a look at the programme at stillvoicesfilmfestival.com.